Hey everybody, welcome to the Feminization Boudoir Podcast. I am your host, Kylie Gable. This is going to be an interesting one, this episode, and the reason is because it should be just as long as the last one is, even though I have no interview. Um, we're doing my sophomore year of college. It's a five-book series called um, Changed by College. And the problem I had was I didn't want to make the first book in the series free or make it the audio where we played the whole audio. And the reason is because it's unlike the other books in the series. Uh, the first book in the series deals with me going home over summer break and my sister and my ex, and they both got to have it out for me. The next book, this one, uh, takes place on campus. It's much more like the rest of the series. And so I'm going to play uh, Change My College number two in its entirety. Just like last month, it is voiced by Shayla Aspasia. If you heard that falling, that was a toilet paper, or I should say a paper towel um, tube. You know, the cardboard part inside that was just knocked down by my dog, Chance, who will always, I don't know, always brings me a smile and always reminds me of Shayla, who's the one who rescued him. So, it's going to be Changed by College, number two. And uh, I hope you like it. I'll be back after the audio, because I know what's on next week for a change. Changed by College, book two. Written by Kylie Gable. Narrated by Shayla Aspasia. I knew that I had a lot of changes ahead of me as I drove back to school to begin my sophomore year at DuPont. They honestly seemed mostly to be positive changes. First, the girls were moving off campus, and that meant they would be cutting me a little slack. Even if they didn't want to, coming over to the dorm to check on me would take a little more effort. DuPont was weird. It owned a lot of the town that it was located in. That's why, instead of a bar and a CD store across the street from my school, there was an eye surgery clinic and a funeral home. The university kept bars away from us, but also other businesses that would have made college more fun for us and would have been very profitable for the businesses, I'm sure. If we wanted clothes, a slice of pizza, or music to listen to, it was either a drive to the mall or a walk to the big university located about a mile away. Because the university owned so much of the town, there were always plenty of houses to lease. If you were able to get four or five friends together, it was cheaper to lease a house than it was to rent an apartment. I wasn't naive enough to think that the girls were completely done with me. They kept in touch over summer and commented on everything that Lori and Robin had done to me. However, this year, I had no roommate. Somehow, I lucked into a single. No longer would I have to hide what I was wearing from my roommate. The room was a little smaller than the other room, but not having a roommate or a roommate's stuff, it was a great trade-off. Speaking of roommates, Stephanie's roommate moved out, and she had a new freshman named Sheila living with her. Stephanie was the girl that was kind of the impetus to everything. 
when I accidentally insulted her on the night when I first was feminized. She was pre-med major and incredibly studious. She really didn't have time to participate in what the girls were doing to me, but she was always happy to watch me humiliate myself. She was definitely more of a fan than an active participant, though. Shortly after I arrived at school, I got a call from Amanda to come and see the new place. It was amazing. The girls had a house that must have been renovated in the last 10 years. It had a sprawling backyard, and there was even a pool. This place is sure a step up from the dorm, I said. Oh, you haven't even seen the basement, replied Deanna. It's fully furnished, and it's huge. You really made the right choice getting a house, I said. Well, that's because nobody told you our problem, interjected Amanda. There's a problem? Haunted or something, I asked. No, that's not it, said Karen. Termites or mice, I asked. No, you're wrong again, said Wendy. Well, I don't know then, I replied. There's no maid, said Amanda. Oh, I said, suddenly realizing the implication. Yeah, that's where you came in, said Deanna. What do you want me to do, I asked. Your uniform is hanging up in the bathroom. Why don't you go put it on, said Amanda. Really? I hesitated. Now, said Wendy. There are two types of maid uniforms. There's a hotel maid type uniform. They're practical and designed for some serious cleaning. The other type of maid uniform is the French maid variety. I've never really seen anybody cleaning one, and I think of them as being more for a Halloween costume. This costume the girls had hanging for me in the bathroom was definitely of that variety. It was no way meant for cleaning. The skirt was so short that there was just no way to modestly do all the bending and stretching that would be needed to clean this place. The fishnets that came with the dress would always leave my knees looking like Belgian waffles. When I would have to get on my knees to scrub the floors, even the shiny black three-inch pumps weren't terribly difficult to walk in, but they were awkward as hell to clean in. Even as I got dressed in the uniform, I wondered just what I was getting into. Clearly, this had all been planned out over the summer. Other than Karen, none of these girls was particularly neat, and neither was I. I checked my makeup in the mirror and then walked out to the girls who cheered at the arrival of their new French maid. Well, she certainly looks the part, at least, said Karen. I'll say, agreed Deanna, she looks perfect. Have a seat, Kylie, said Amanda. I'll go over your duties. My duties? I asked. You can't be a maid without duties, said Wendy. It won't be too bad, said Amanda. We'll also be paying you $4 an hour. Two will go for you to spend how you see fit, and the other two will go towards clothes, makeup, and assorted things you will need. Do I need more dresses? I asked. The girls just laughed. You'll keep the common areas cleaned, dusted, and vacuumed. You'll also clean bedrooms and make beds. You'll do all of Amanda's and Deanna's laundry, some of Wendy's and none of Karen's. I'm picky, said Karen. We'll expect the bathrooms to be spotless, said Wendy. 
So when am I supposed to do all this? I asked. That's going to be mostly up to you, said Amanda. We don't have your schedule memorized or anything. Though, I think we're in a bunch of the same classes. What if I don't want to do this? I asked. Do you really think you have a choice? Asked Wendy. You do make an adorable bride, said Amanda. I began cleaning house in early September. It was that awkward time when the calendar said it was fall, but some days still felt more like summer. There was college football, people cooking outside, and just enjoying those last few weeks of sunshine before the cold winter arrived. One Saturday in late September, I was doing a deep cleaning of the house, and maid work had grown very old already. Every one of the girls was out of the house doing something fun, and though none of them were even in the house with me, I not only had to clean the place, I had to constantly primp and preen in the mirror, because if my lipstick was smeared or my stockings were crooked when one of the girls returned, I could be in a lot of trouble. I was depressed to be stuck inside all day. I wanted to be out. I wanted to be drinking beer and eating bratwurst. Nobody paid much attention to the DuPont football team, but it was still a good excuse for a party. All the girls were having fun. Why couldn't I? I broke a dish. I swept up and all the crumbs that I got from the kitchen floor wound up under a chair in the living room. I even purposely left streaks on the bathroom mirror. I honestly learned all of these strategies in childhood, and I think my dad was secretly proud of me for it. If you demonstrate you are hopeless at household chores, people are less likely to ask you to do those chores. That's how I managed to get my workload at home reduced to taking the garbage out once a week. It wasn't a bad gig, and it worked pretty well for my parents and me. Lori wasn't too happy about it, but there are always winners and losers. This time, however, I was about to become one of the losers. Hey, I'm going out on a date in an hour, so I had to come home and change, said Deanna. I just had a great run. It's beautiful out there. I bet it is. Ah, oh, you've been working at this for at least an hour, and this whole place shouldn't take longer than two hours to clean. It'll be done in time to enjoy the late afternoon. A few hours. Not with slobs like you girls, I said. Okay, I'm guilty of throwing my old clothes on the floor, but I'm not that bad, and Karen keeps her stuff pristine, she said. Whatever, I said. Why is there a big pile of crumbs under that chair, asked Deanna, motioning to where I had deposited everything I had swept in the kitchen. What have you been doing, she asked before beginning an inspection of my work. I've been doing the shit you should have been doing, I said. You've been deliberately doing a half-assed job. This is not acceptable. Then do it yourself, I snapped. God, I really don't have time for this, she sighed loudly. Deanna went back to her room and I got back to work. A few minutes later, she came out with a coil of clothesline and some cloth. I knew this would not be good for me. Don't you fucking dare. Somebody needs to deal with you. And, well, I'm in a hurry. If you didn't want to be punished, you should have knocked off the attitude 
and did what you were supposed to do. What am I supposed to do? I don't recall the time when you were made the boss of me, I said. Deanna just stood there shaking her head with her hands on her hips before she finally moved to act. Amanda was as strong as I was and knew how to wrestle, but Deanna was an amazing athlete. She was the best player on the college softball team, and I saw her excel at basketball and volleyball as well. In short, I was outclassed, but I also couldn't help holding back a bit. The result was that she had no trouble binding my wrists behind my back. Once that was accomplished, she moved me over to the front of the bathroom and pushed me down to the floor where she hogtied me. She finished up by shoving a clean pair of her panties in my mouth and taping them into place. Once she was finished, she checked my bonds and went to take a shower. I lay there pissed off and struggling. I didn't even pay any attention to her as the door opened and she went into her bedroom to get changed. It was when she came out that I started to pay attention. Deanna was usually a bit of a tomboy. She had very long hair and never looked the least bit masculine, but her makeup was minimal and her clothes were comfortable. Of all the girls, she had by far the fewest hand-me-downs for me. Her clothes just seemed too masculine. The dress she had on was by far the dressiest thing she had owned, and I had never seen her in it before. Looking up from my pathetic position on the ground, my only thought was that she looked like a princess. It made no sense that the woman who had just kicked my ass was so beautiful, so feminine. I forgot all about my own struggles and gazed up at her standing in the bathroom fixing her makeup. It was then that I finally realized what I should have known all along. Feminine did not mean weak. Associating femininity with weakness had been something ingrained in my head by my father. Just as the idea of masculinity being the same thing as strength was. Clearly, this was not the case. Nobody could look at Deanna and see her as anything but feminine. I was here to testify that physically she was every bit as strong as I was. There was a light bulb moment for me, but it didn't end there. I decided that strength was more than just physical prowess, and maybe women could be strong in those ways too. I know it's a thick-headed moment. It's almost as embarrassing as anything else I write in the series. It's not like fighting women was something I expected to have happen a lot in my future. But somehow this incident is one I will probably never forget. I was by no means enlightened. But it was my first baby steps towards understanding women. At least to the extent that I do now. It took me a while to figure out the cleaning aspect of the job. Cleaning was just not something I had previously done or had an interest in. But spending the summer doing Debbie's chores helped a bit. In the beginning, when I'd come over to do the cleaning, the girls would drop what they were doing 
and watched me mince around in my heels doing my huge list of domestic chores. But they gradually got used to seeing me in my maid's uniform. The humiliation of being the maid never quite subsided for me, however. I had come to college believing myself superior to all women. But the uniforms were a clear sign that I was not even close to being their equal in status. The worst part was Deanna's boyfriend named Jim, who had a bit of an organizational problem. Somehow, cleaning up Jim's apartment also became part of my tasks. Now Jim and his roommate, Adrian, really were uncomfortable with me coming over to their place in my French maid's uniform. They weren't as uncomfortable as I was. But Jim was always pleading with Deanna to stop the maid service. Unfortunately for me, Deanna insisted. Deanna's solution to Jim's objections was that I would also bring a small cooler with a 12-pack of beer in it. As I cleaned, I would present Jim and Adrian with a cold beer from the cooler and then curtsy for them before going back to cleaning while they watched television or played video games. After running out of Murphy's oil soap and having to run to the hardware store in full mate attire, I made sure to always have enough cleaning supplies and settled into a routine. Jim still wasn't happy and Adrian thought I was a total freak. But that didn't stop them from accepting a cold beer from me as I cleaned up their place. Deanna had a way of being optimistic and cheerful throughout everything. So I was never able to truly figure out if she was aware of just how humiliating it was for me to be dressed as a sexy maid picking up another guy's soiled boxer shorts. Amanda didn't have a steady boyfriend, but she felt if I cleaned Jim's apartment, I should clean her boyfriend's too. So I usually wound up cleaning for whatever guy she was cleaning that month. One of the things that bothered me about the situation with the girls is that they had a really unfair advantage over me based on their gender. Yes, there are a lot of places in life where being a guy is better, but the battle of the sexes isn't one of them. There were a few times I ran away from the girls in the mall. Not having a ride without them, they would inevitably catch me, and if there were people around when they were, the reaction was never, Oh my goodness, those girls are kidnapping that guy. Quick, call the police. Instead, the reaction usually went something like, Oh wow, lucky guy. Obviously, I wouldn't have wanted the humiliation of the police being called or anything. I wouldn't have wanted the girls to get in trouble either. But it really was such a double standard. Another weapon that the girls could use against me was tears. I would have gotten nowhere crying, but one weekend Amanda really got me good with those crocodile tears. He was helping me with the paper, but he left the paper on the table and the disc with paper on it on his desk. I don't have a copy, and by the time he gets back, it'll be too late for me to get to work on him, and, and, and I'm going to flunk out. You don't have another copy? Asked my RA Mike. No, that's the only one. Do you remember what you wrote? Maybe you could do one from memory. Really? Asked Amanda. You really think I could do that without flunking the paper? 
No, I guess not, but I don't know what to tell you. He won't be back until Sunday evening. If you know his phone number, maybe you could get him to come back early. I'm so fucked. I want to help, I do. I appreciate that, but what could you do? Asked Amanda. Well, as RA, I have the keys to all the rooms. Wow, I had no idea. Is there any way you could let me into his room? I, I just need to get my stuff and, and get the right stuff. I would get in so much trouble for that. I'm sorry. It was just a shot. I thought maybe you could help me, said Amanda. Tell you what, I'll give you the key and you give it back when you're done. But if anybody asks, you can't say where you got it. True to her word, Amanda returned the key without saying where she got it. First, she went over to the hardware store. And even though the key clearly read, Do not copy. She turned on the waterworks again, and the idiot teenager working the key machine copied it for her. I knew that something was wrong as soon as I returned from the wedding that I had gone home for. On my door, I had a Batman message board. It was a piece of cardboard with images of Batman and a large blank white space in the middle. It was laminated so people could leave me messages with the attached wet erase marker. When I got home, Batman was gone. In his place was the pink Barbie message board. Somebody with obviously male handwriting had written on there. Come on, Barbie, let's go party. Until I opened that door, it never occurred to me how much more danger I was in not having a roommate. Without having anybody else to stop them or even object, they had free range to redecorate my room to their taste. As soon as I opened the door, I knew exactly what they had done. But the room just looked so strange to me. I wanted to go back out to the hallway and make sure this was the right room. But I knew damn well it was. I collapsed onto the foot of my bed and put my head in my hands. The worst thing was it immediately occurred to me I would not be allowed to undo or move anything. I looked around the room and took it all in. All of my Bud Light Girl posters had been taken down. In their place were posters of boy bands. What they had done to my room was masterful. All these years later, I can only look back with admiration. But at the time, I had a significantly different opinion on the matter. They had spent a bit of money on the renovation. They had found a bathroom pattern at Walmart called Paris that was black and pink and featured a high-heeled shoe, an old-fashioned perfume bottle, and the Eiffel Tower. It was extremely girly, and they were able to swap out my shower curtain, towels, and bath mat, wall switch, and garbage can with that pattern. It also had a border that they placed with ceiling met the walls. They had enough border that they were able to do the main dorm room as well. On top of my Hello Kitty comforter, my bed was covered with stuffed animals and a four-foot-long inflatable penis that I thought might have been meant as a pool toy. In addition to the boy band posters was a poster of a naked male model with an absolute vodka bottle covering his crotch. The clearly visible title of the poster was Absolute Hunk. <laughs>
It would be the first thing I saw in the morning and the last thing I saw at night. They had been so thorough with the modifications to my room. It wasn't just big things like the comforter and my Disney princess throw rug, but it was also the picture of myself and my date from Deanna's softball dance the previous year in a silver frame with the letters love carved out on the four corners of the frame. All my dresses and women's outfits were hanging up nicely in the closet, while my male clothes, which I was wearing every day, were boxed up and shoved in the back of the closet. My desk had been turned into a vanity, and they had even swapped out the lampshades in my room for girlish ones. I had no idea how they got into my room, but when I learned that they had a copy of my key, I knew that I was in trouble. They could now enter my room without knocking and catch me in the act if they had told me to do something. That day, like wear heels all day or stay fully dressed in women's clothing. The day after my room incident, I was leaving my philosophy class when Stephanie's roommate, Sheila, who was in my class, started sniffling in my direction in an overly exaggerated way. Am I smelling perfume? Who's wearing that perfume? I didn't wait around. I got out of that room quick and continued on my way. But shortly afterward, she caught up to me. Hey, relax, Kylie. I think it smells nice. I'm not wearing any perfume, and who's Kylie? I asked. Lose the act, princess, she said. I made up the part about the perfume, but I've seen a lot of pictures of you. And damn, girlfriend, you clean up nice. I can explain. <laughs> no, you really can't. Did you like what we did to your room? I think it looks much better. I never want anything that girly, but I think it's perfect for you. Amanda was pretty, and Deanna might have been the hottest girl in the entire college. But Sheila was just stunning. She stood just under six feet tall and was a volleyball superstar, but she had the height and bone structure of a supermodel. She also was brilliant. In a school known for smart people, she stood out for being a genius. If wrestling with Deanna hadn't put an end to any crazy thoughts of male superiority, meeting Sheila had crushed them into a fine powder. I never did find out why Sheila had been so drawn to my situation. She had bonded with the girls over me and did everything she could to insinuate herself into the situation. She was also respectful enough of Amanda and her friends to take a back seat and chip in where she should instead of taking the lead. At least that is in the beginning. You know, if you tell anybody about this, the girls will be furious. I know blackmailing somebody with a secret that everybody already knows is just impossible. Just so we understand each other, I said trying to act tough with and set the tone for our relationship. I think we understand each other very well, which is why you're going to invite me back to your room now for a fashion show, she said. Really? Yeah, you know you're really pretty when you pout. And that was that. I never did find out what the attraction of dominating and dressing me was for her. 
I know that Amanda and Wendy were both budding dominants. They loved the power exchange they felt with me, mincing around in hills and following their orders. I felt that Karen wasn't really dominant, but enjoyed sharing a pet boy with her friends. She enjoyed humiliating me, but it always felt more of a prank to her than any kind of BDSM. In hindsight, I may have been wrong about this, but I thought Deanna was just a girl who had fun exerting her power over hapless boys. It was no different than if I had passed out drunk at a party and she decided to write and draw penises on me with a marker. Sheila seemed to be just about exactly halfway between serious domination and something much more playful. As the October days flew by, I could see the excitement growing in Stephanie. She delighted in telling me that summer she had spent considerable time searching all over her hometown to find me just the perfect Halloween costume. As she lived in the dorm with Sheila, they could guarantee all the girls would be present at the Halloween party. The night of the party, Sheila and Stephanie showed up at my room carrying a costume. It was a naughty nurse's uniform, complete with garter belts and white stockings that would be completely visible under the short skirt. As I got dressed, Sheila stood at my door with her arms folded, dressed as a Laura Croft, but as a prison guard would probably have been more appropriate. The message was clear that if I didn't do as I was told, she'd intervene. She even tried to remain imposing but couldn't help giggling as I stepped into the ridiculous four-inch white pumps. Sheila seemed to always feel she had to dominate me physically, or at least intimidate me with her strength. Honestly, it wasn't really needed. Both Amanda and Deanna had already proven that they could handle me if they needed to. But honestly, by the time Sheila came along, they had so much blackmail it wasn't like I was about to start to try to get rough with these girls anyway. I also wasn't in the business of going around looking for fights with the girls. The costume that Stephanie picked out for me cracked me up a little too. It was going to be as humiliating as anything, but I had to admit that it was both poetic justice and in the long game for a comment I had made about her being a great potential nurse 14 months earlier. I didn't really know how to act at the party. While the previous year, people could tell I was a guy if I got close enough and heard my voice. I was much more passable now. This was something that wasn't lost on the girls. About half of the people who lived in the dorm still remembered my costume from the previous year. And when my identity was finally confirmed, I again had people wanting their picture taken with me. Honestly, my feminization was not the best-kept secret in the world. Even though I tried to lie to myself into believing that it was, the girls only really let people they knew they could trust in on it. But that didn't mean other people didn't notice things. It was a sure bet that anybody who saw my dorm room would have been wondering what the deal was with me. Still, we hid it the best we could, and I hoped for the best. Passing is such a double-edged sword. It saved me so much humiliation, but it also created so many more humiliating opportunities. 
Sheila loved to dance, and she loved to teach me all the trendiest dances. That year, we spent a lot of time doing the catch-up dance and the cha-cha slide. The more this went on, the more I noticed the girls watching me practice. I didn't know what this was all about, but I knew that I'd find out soon enough. I had not been allowed to come for several weeks, and it seemed every time the girls got the chance, they would tease me. I know that doesn't sound that long, but remember as an 18-year-old, I would masturbate at the drop of a hat. I thought of chastity in terms of hours, not weeks. Wendy was the worst of the girls. She would delight in tying me to a chair and doing my makeup. Of course, I could do my own makeup just fine by now, but it wasn't cosmetology that she was interested in. She would tie my hands behind my back, and she'd tie my ankles to the chair legs. She'd actually tie them to the outside of the chair legs so that my legs would be forced to be spread as wide as possible. She was not the bondage enthusiast that Amanda was, but she enjoyed making me helpless. That wasn't why she did it either. She was a sadist. More than any of the other girls, she enjoyed causing me pain. And that could be physical pain or just anguish and humiliation. When she put my makeup on, it was practically a lap dance. What she really loved, however, was the way she bounced around on my lap and brushed against me and kept her breast in my face. And her breath on my neck made it feel much more like a lap dance than a simple makeup application. By the time she was done with my lipstick, I'd be whimpering like a little baby and rock hard. Inevitably, she'd tease me with a comment like, Oh, somebody must love wearing makeup. Or, does mascara turn you on that much? Then she'd leave. Tired as I was, I obviously couldn't reach my erection or hump anything. Tied and frustrated, I would be forced to just sit there until my erection subsided. If it never subsided, there was always an involuntary dunking in a plastic cup of ice water and then imprisonment back in the cock cage. No wonder I was so desperate to get out of chastity. There were only really two dance clubs at school, and one of them was a real dive. We went to the better one. It was your typical college dance bar with Nellie and Jennifer Lopez booming on the speakers. Their clientele was mostly white and overwhelmingly 18 to 22. One day in mid-November, Sheila got her wish and a trip from me was announced. Amanda warned me that I would need to be extremely cooperative at the dance club, or they wouldn't let me out of chastity until I came back from Christmas break, over a month away. I would never be able to make it that far. For the next week, Sheila and Deanna really worked with me on how to dance like a girl. I reminded them that I passed at a dance at a previous year, but for all my bluster, I was terrified of not passing, and just as invested in getting good at it as the girls were. It's harder than just dancing backwards on the slow dances. I have a decent sense of rhythm, but it took me a while to figure out where to hold my arms and how to move them naturally with breast forms protruding from my chest. After a lot of tutoring, I think I got pretty good at it. On the night that we went out, 
I was dressed in a short but simple wine-colored dress that definitely showed off my legs in expensive hosiery. It had spaghetti straps and flattered my breast forms quite well, without revealing their true nature. I wore a pair of silver heels, and the girls agreed I was going to get plenty of male attention. In fact, they'd make sure of it. Okay, Cinderella, said Amanda. If a guy asks you to dance, you will agree. If one tries to kiss you, you'll kiss him back. You'll be flirtatious and really make these guys comfortable. You don't have to let them touch your breast, and of course, you need to keep their hands from finding out any embarrassing little secrets. Of course, I said. I knew that the way I was dressed, I'd get guys coming up to me. But what I didn't count on was that I'd get far more attention than any of the girls. Now, I assure you, by this time, I was a very attractive girl for a guy. Deanna was just plain hot, and Sheila could have been a model. But there are several degrees up from cute for any guy in a dress. What I didn't know is as soon as we got there, the girls took turns making their rounds. They'd flirt with guys and chat them up before telling them, Hey, my friend thinks you're really cute, but... She's just too shy to ask you to dance. Sure enough, with an open invitation, the guys would come running. As the guys saw me dancing, they would suddenly get an interest in asking me to dance as well. I didn't get to sit down very much that night. The most awkward for me came when a guy named Pete asked me to dance. He was just a bit taller than I was, but what made things awkward was I remembered him from several classes because he had a very light, almost platinum blonde hair that really made him stand out. I can't believe I finally got to dance with you, he said in my ear during a slow dance. What do you mean, I ask? Well, we were in freshman humanities together and I used to try to sit by you, but we really never got to talk much, he said. No, I guess not, I answered. Now, my heart was in my throat. That was the class I dressed as a woman for, and he recognized me. This was scary. My name is Pete, he told me. I'm Kylie, I said. I love the way you dress, he told me. Maybe I'm a bit old-fashioned, but I like dressing up and appreciate girls who do too. It's nice to see a girl who isn't afraid to be feminine from time to time. This was the second guy to tell me I was more feminine than the real girls he knew. He was an excellent dancer, and I calmed down a bit as I got used to him holding me tight. I used a move that the girls had shown me last year and put my head down on his shoulder. Doing this obstructed his view a bit and made it less likely he might notice anything out of place. As I looked over at our table, I saw the girls laughing at us on the dance floor and taking still more incriminating pictures of me. We danced about a half dozen dances together, doing everything from a few slow songs to fast ones. I was happy that the girls had taught me some moves. I came a long way from the white man's underbite that I used to do. The final song was Shakira's Underneath Your Clothes. It struck me as ironic considering the lingerie I was now wearing underneath mine. 
but it was also a slow song. When the dance ended, Pete gave me a very romantic kiss. I didn't know what to do, so I let instinct take over, and I kissed him back. After exchanging numbers, we made our goodbyes. The girls were thrilled with my behavior during the dance, and I was allowed to masturbate in front of them when we got back to their place. Karen gave me a teddy bear, and I kissed it and acted like I was making out with it while calling out Pete's name as I quickly pleasured myself. These sessions with the girls were always embarrassing, but they were soon to get worse, much worse, to be continued. Okay, maybe that's not quite as long as the last one was, and uh, I could stall for the next uh, 25 minutes or so, but the point is, it's a full audio, and I hope you enjoyed it. Um, Next week, we are going to have Raina from Raina Means Queen uh, back again, and uh, what she's going to do is a story called Force of Will, and also... I have an interview set up with her tomorrow, so um, there will be an interview next week, too. And then I'm discussing interview plans right now with Jen Davis. Uh, We'll be doing uh, Mauled Part 2 very soon as well. So a lot of good stuff coming up. Please, please, I appreciate your support. Also, please support the wonderful women who record these. I'll have a link to Shayla's stuff. Um... The more that they're kept happy, the more they're going to want to keep coming back and recording audio, and uh, the more I'm going to want to keep producing audio, too. So let's take care of them, and also thank you so much for all your support. It really means a lot. I can't do a podcast now without getting at least a couple of emails, and uh, that that's priceless to me. It really is. So have a wonderful week. It looks like, at least in this part of the country, spring is back, and I will see you in... Not really see you because it's a podcast, but I'll be here next Monday. I hope you will be too. Take care.